You're listening to the Nomcast, a proud member of Forgotten Entertainment. Hello, and welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right, this past Friday, one of the biggest franchise in horror movie history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, dropped their latest entry in the series entitled, wait for it, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it is currently the number one movie on Netflix right now. So on today's show... We will be examining why this franchise remains popular today, why we are still making sequels to this franchise over 50 years later, and what we think of Leatherface's latest brush with the public. Spoiler alert, it doesn't go well. Uh, We will do all of this with our resident horror expert, writer for the Horror News Network, Mr. Scary Larry Dwyer. Larry, so sorry to rip you away from checking Zillow listings in Harlow, Texas to be here, but I appreciate you taking the time, sir. Yeah, no, I was uh, looking to up that population from 1974 to 1975, but <laughs> apparently there are no uh, no available properties. They've all been brought up by some social media influencers. <laughs> Party bus on the way, Larry. It's right at your doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> nothing could go wrong there nothing has b- ever gone not. wrong in a party bus right larry we've no, all been there definitely absolutely i've yeah i mean i've never had a party bus go that awry but <laughs> yeah usually um usually something does go off the off the rails yeah and <clears throat> glad they didn't shoot it in like a john wayne movie from the 40s or something uh with right it's like a ghost town uh why it's like wait there's 1500 people who live here but none of them happen to live in downtown <laughs> That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Larry, let's get to this because weirdly with this franchise, I am just kind of at a loss because when mm-hmm. I was younger, this movie, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like the movie for me in terms of horror. And I watched a lot of horror back in the day and I watched it way too young. It gripped me. You know, it's terrifying. And one of these things is, I loved it so much because of the hyper-realism. It feels like it's a cinema verite documentary more than it feels like what horror was, or at least what I watched probably in the 80s and 90s when I eventually you know, got around to watching it, of course, because I was born in 82. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of these franchises, though, that are very different from its peers. You know, it's very different from Halloween, Jason, you know, Freddie, they're all very distinct. This one, I think, veers more towards probably Jason, especially now there were, what, eight or nine movies in now that we keep getting this weird, circuitous route of what the story of Leatherface and or this family is. I, I don't even know anymore. They keep changing the, the timelines all the time. But where do you see this franchise? Like a lot of people put it in their like the top four, like the Mount Rushmore. And I don't know. I feel like that first movie is giving a lot of cachet to a lot of stuff that went awry. All right. So to tackle that question, first of all, it's hard to even call this a franchise. True. Because if you say franchise to me, you know, you think Friday the 13th, you think Nightmare on Elm Street, there's connectivity. Right. You think Halloween, even though you know the timeline of Halloween is all fucked up, 
right? You went from one to two, three is its own thing. And then you can either go to four or five, or you can go to H2O, uh, or you can go one to the new Halloween. Right. You know, the yeah. timeline's a fucking nightmare, logistic nightmare, but there's still continuity there. Sure. This, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies have never been one for continuity. And I think I said it in my review, I said the only real tie between any of the movies is Leatherface. Right. That's it. They all contain a big hulking guy with, you know, a skin mask and a chainsaw. Right. That's really it. You don't. I mean, even in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, all right, you get Drayton Sawyer. So there's, you know, he's there. Um, but then it's it's a whole new cast of characters, right? Bill Mo- Bill Mosley was not in the first one. He's in this one. He's a new character. Right. Um, that's really the last one with connection. One and two. Yeah. That's it. So to even talk about this as a franchise, because there are some that are like, all right, well, are these reboots? Are these you know sequels like this one this new one that we're talking about today was a it's doing the halloween thing right it's a sequel to part one so they're so they're saying that part two never happened right which was obviously canon even though now maybe this is a stretch it seemed to me that sally hardesty put on the same exact hat and took picked up the same shotgun that Dennis Hopper, who was Sally Hardesty's uncle in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 wore. Right. So I thought that that was homage to that. But if they're telling me that Chainsaw 2 never happened, then why this homage, right? Like yeah. the Halloween movies, like why pay homage to the uh, Silver, Silver Shamrock masks when you're telling me that that never happened? <laughs> right. Anyway. Anyway, these timelines for all of these um, franchises obviously get messy, but this one more so than any of them. This is the most convoluted of the of any franchise, I believe, in horror. Like that said, though, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is and should be a gateway drug for anybody getting into horror. Absolutely. You want to watch horror movies. You're interested in the horror genre. You want to know what horror is all about. I'm not going to tell you to watch Friday the 13th. I'm not going to tell you to watch A Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm going to tell you to watch The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Because this is, and I'm going to tell you to watch The Exorcist, and I'm going to tell you to watch The Shining. Uh, But as far as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, to me, this is top three scariest movies of all time. The original, let's clarify, I'm not talking about 2022. I'm talking about 1974. This is one of the scariest movies of all time. So this movie is a benchmark for horror movies to come for decades and generations. To try to recapture that, as has been proven time and time again, is never going to be fruitful. It's never going to work. Um, And I mean, there's been talking about the franchise. There's been some fun. Again, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Also (laughs) made by Toby Hooper, the same guy who made the original. Right. Um, But a completely different feel, vibe, movie. It's it. Unless you knew it was the same director, you would have never believed that it's the same director who made the second he made a comedy. But if you ask Toby Hooper, rest his soul, 
he said in an interview, well, the first one's a comedy. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know what his, uh, his idea of comedy is because mine's like airplane and like, you know, like yeah. police squad, like, you know, his is obviously a little more dark than mine. Cause I did not consider the first one to be a comedy at all. Um, there are elements so, with the family. And I think when he made the mm-hmm. second, obviously he made it more about the family or people associated with the family. Yes, Cause you're right. The, the, the family is, comedic in a horrifying way very horrifying way yeah, yeah. like the whole scene where uh, you know trying to get grandpa to smash sally on the head yeah. with the hammer yes. and yeah hammer keeps falling in the bucket because grandpa's obviously 165 years old <laughs> yes you know yes kind of funny but still horrifying still terrifying everything about that movie is is terrifying and you know and people talked about it for years about being this bloodbath there's there's zero blood in the movie it's just the guy knew how to make how to create tension and it really is like i said when i'm when somebody's getting into horror that's the movie and it and it always will be so to answer your question as a franchise hard to talk about because it's so diluted but for as that movie on its own it's one of the it's it is the one of the top horror movies of all time and always will be and always should be yeah and it's interesting a a lot of the stuff you said i i absolutely agree with and what's weird is that if you if you say to a man why do you think the original worked i think it's because again that hyper realism based Mm -hmm. on true events marketing that they did you know the the way it was shot how low budget it was shot so it felt Mm -hmm. kind of more like home video grounded dirty real dirty and grimy yeah yeah it's outlandish and depraved you know and you don't know what to expect next because it's kind of a mess of a movie you know it's it's just kind of just happening you know right yeah there's no real plot to speak of no like no some kids in a van going to see their you know dead grandfather's house somebody's yeah. house yep. yeah the hardest like, and that's yeah. it yeah that's it there's nothing more and they stumble across they pick up the wrong fucking guy yeah should have just kept driving that's and that's that's all it is like i don't know is it a psa on picking up hitchhikers uh <laughs> yes, you know absolutely is it a is it a psa on vegetarianism <laughs> i don't think so i think it was just toby was like i have fifteen thousand dollars how can i make a movie and, yeah and, and that's kind of how all these guys did it back then, right? Romero with Night of the Living Dead. Yep. It was just like, I have this tiny little budget. What can I get done? And it's usually in horror because in horror, if you're good enough with a camera, you can create something that lasts forever. Yeah, for sure. And 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 those two guys in particular certainly did. Now, you mentioned, you know, how grimy it looked and, you know, that it looked like a documentary. I remember hearing when they were, you know, remastering it in 4K and I was like, "No." <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, uh-huh. what are you do? Like the whole point of this is that it looks disgusting. Yeah. Like to fix it and make it look clean. I'm like, is that going to, it does still work. It is still scary. I've seen the, the newest, I own the newest version and it, it's still scary as shit. Yeah. Um, but I do prefer to see it. Like there's a lot here. All right. So I show these double features, right? There's a lot of hipsters who won't come to my double features because I don't show them on 35 millimeter, right? Which is, you know, a big thing right now, like VHS. Like everybody's like, oh, if it's not 35 millimeter, I'm not going to go. Sure. I'm not like that. I would rather see it look, you know, things look good. 
um, than sit there and watch a really pink print of something that snaps halfway through. Yeah. Um, however, when uh, the Alamo Draft House like 10 years ago was showing a 35 millimeter print of Texas Chainsaw, I was all over it, yeah. especially when I found out that Joe Bob Briggs was hosting because he's a, that's his favorite movie of all time. And I knew that the guy, you know, this was before, obviously, he'd made his huge comeback on Shudder. Yeah. Um, but I'd known back then from watching him on uh, the, on the movie channel, was Showtime movie channel. I don't remember what he used to be on, but uh, that Texas Chainsaw was his favorite. So to get to watch him introduce it and then to watch it on 35 millimeter on the big screen looking as grimy as it should yeah was just like that was the time when i was like okay i'll punch my hipster card and i'll go <laughs> see it in 35 millimeter because this is the kind of film that deserves to be seen in 35 millimeter for sure and joe bob if i'm not mistaken he's in part two right or he was cut out of part two i was something where he i'm was sure like he i'm sure involved. he filmed a yeah, I'm sure he filmed uh, he filmed a scene. He was doing a lot of scenes and a lot of movies back then. He, yeah, I don't remember if he made the. Um, I don't think he did. I don't think he made the final cut. If I remember, I hope I hope somebody listens and yells at me. Yeah, I think I'm that wrong, might be I either don't in think the extended he... cut or something like that. Where I remember yeah. that. Um, the one other thing I I think about the original when I think about it, it felt like the whole town was in on their demise too. Right, like between it's not just. Like the family, just this one house to stay away from. They were like mm-hmm. they had tentacles and everything between. You know, everybody was the sketchy. gas station. You know, yeah. everybody, every yeah. The sheriff scares you from the jump, even mm-hmm. though he ultimately doesn't have anything to do with it. But it's really right. just it's wide open views, but it felt yeah. suffocatingly small because, especially yeah. in an era now where we rely on cell phones and everything else to get us out of jams. Now back right. then, you're like, no, 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 that one gas station was my hope and that guy yep. is a cannibal <laughs> you know right. with his family or whatever so that's no good so to me why the sequels and some of the remakes just don't work you mentioned like continuity leatherface is not a good continuity point because no. he doesn't make any sense he's just off you know what i mean a like slow, he's, just, he's a huge slow adult we can say it yeah. That's what he was. Toby Hooper said it. Gunnar Hansen, who played him, has said it. Yeah. He is a large, slow adult. Yeah, and they've tried to like do origin not stories pinhead. for him. It's stupid. Yeah. It doesn't. He's work. not Pinhead, who you know was made by some magic box and is now a demon. You know, there's a story there, right? You know, he's not Freddy Krueger, who was this disgusting child killer, child molester, who was burnt by the parents and now comes injured. There's a story there that you can. Right. keep go- there's no you know they made a story there with jason you know right. his mom saw him and now he's killing for his mom but now he's a zombie after they finally <laughs> yeah. killed him he went to space so, we're but, way beyond yeah the they, yeah they rebirthed them made him a zombie like so they realized though that they had to do something new with jason to make him interesting and make more movies yeah and that's why they created the zombie jason they haven't figured that out with Leatherface yet. What are you going to, he's a large, slow adult. How much story can you really give him? Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of, kind of what they tried to do here is give him that story. And we can get into that when you're, when you're ready to talk about, because they tried to, they tried to tell you where he's been for 50 years. Like the other ones are just like, you know, throw Leatherface in a room. Here's Leatherface. Like there's no real story. Uh, Well, the one with Alexandria Daddario, apparently, 
what the family had gotten rich somehow and they had him living in a basement for four years. <laughs> right. I don't know. It didn't, re- they didn't really go, you know, there was a letter that said, Hey, PS, your cousins in the basement feed him <laughs> once in a while or something. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, they didn't really give him story. This one, this one, they tried Fede Alvarez, uh, the writer of this did, did try to sort of explain not his backstory, childhood so much, but like where he's been for, I mean, let's face it, it's 50 fucking years. Yeah. Right? And, 1973 is when that supposedly happened. The movie came out 74, so it's yeah. 49 years. Yeah. So, and all of these sequels do something completely different with it every time. Yep. And somehow they almost all feel, including the sequel, which is done by <laughs> Toby Hooper, doesn't feel like they watched the same movie or understood what made their movie special. Um, right. Ho- Hooper. Well, maybe Toby understood it like day one of production. <laughs> but after Dennis Hopper bought all the cocaine in. Yes. Exactly. Everybody completely forgot what was happening. Yeah. Then everything was. This will be cool if we do this. Yeah. Oh my God, this is gonna be great. Yeah. Let's make Leatherface like really like this girl. Yeah. What? We're <laughs> <laughs> giving Leatherface a love interest. Yeah. Uh, and then we get down the road where you know he somehow every face he puts on he embodies it like he has some understanding of what he's doing. No, stop, yeah. stop explaining Leatherface. That's probably a good place to start with some of these. Um, yeah, Hooper didn't. It took twelve years to even do that yeah. second one too. I don't even understand. You see all the even just the money that like the Halloween sequels are doing. The you know you have uh, Friday the Thirteenth starting up right before you know you're doing these sequels again like why did it take so long i have no idea and the only thing i can Honestly, see is he didn't even want to direct the second one is what i heard that he was right. said to be a producer and then nobody wanted to direct it because nobody had the quote same vision for the movie which is uh, okay um as this one right and right yeah i don't yeah. i think Honestly, I mean, I don't know. And I'm sure you can find some interviews with I'm sure somebody had to have asked him why so long in between sequels. And if I'm hoping his answer was that it didn't need one. That because that's the have been correct the answer. answer. Yeah, that's the correct answer. Whether he said that or not, it is the correct answer. Not every story needs a sequel. Sometimes your movie is done when the credits roll and whether Hollywood and money says differently, it doesn't always need it. There's yeah. no, don't need to go back to that well. Didn't need another Exorcist, even though God, I love The Exorcist Part Three. Sure. Didn't, to Exorcist Two is a whole other fucking Yeah, matter. it's a mess. Um, yeah. You know, uh, there are sequels that I do enjoy, but it's still, if I watch The Exorcist, at the end of that movie, when the credits start rolling, I'm not like, fuck, can't wait for the sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Never. There's no and I don't jump say scare. That Texas He's still alive. Something's still alive. Right. Something keeping going. However, yeah. A Nightmare on Elm Street, when fucking Freddy pulls mom through the through the small window in the door. Yeah, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, first of all, it's a blow-up doll. Second of yes. all, the hole is like eight inches diameter. <laughs> but when that happens, you're immediately like, okay, when's the sequel? Yeah. Like, that's a kind of movie where you're like, I need a sequel. Halloween... Even though Halloween wasn't supposed to get a sequel, right? Carpenter wanted it to end there. Yep. For me, I remember the first time I saw it. And when Loomis goes out there and Michael's no longer laying there where he fucking fell, I'm like, I need a sequel. Yeah. I want to see where he went. Uh, but Texas Chainsaw, I never said that. 
I never saw it and said, you know, I need to know what happens with this fucking group of cannibals. Right. Uh, frankly, I don't want to know. Like, I'd rather not because it felt all too real and I want nothing to do with them or yeah. watching them anymore. Yeah. And so, the weird thing hopefully about that was his answer. Yeah. And the weird thing about Leatherface, too, is that he's not any of those people you just mentioned, like where he's not a demon. He's just a dude. Right. He's not a zombie. Right. He's not, uh, you know, uh, a person who lives in your head. It's not any yep. of these things. He should be right. killable, and he just what adventures. Stuff? What adventures is that guy gonna get off to? <laughs> like, how is he gonna hide among society like Hannibal Lecter? No. Like, you know, is he as smart as a doctor who can, you know, disguise himself? Right. He's a guy who walks around in human flesh, and he's like six foot five and three hundred and fifty pounds. Like, you can't hide. He's not going on adventures. Yeah. There's literally nothing else that this character can do. Yeah. And Fetty Alvarez, interestingly enough, that he had the the interest in this uh, franchise enough to like do the story before the screenplay, at least before it fell yeah. apart. Interestingly enough, he's going through his own problems where like "Don't Breathe" is a movie that probably should never have had a sequel, but they were just like, yeah. "Of course we are." It's like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> With this molester, like, kind of again, a depraved guy that we're going to now root for, or what are we doing with this? Like, as soon as yeah, I saw I the trailer, I was like, "No." No. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see the second one yet. I still haven't seen it. I've heard it's a nightmare. I've heard it's awful. Yeah, same. Um, but the first, yeah, dude. God bless him with that first one because here I am rooting for Stephen Lang the whole fucking time. Then I'm like, <laughs> what's in that turkey baster? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, who's that girl tied up down there? Uh huh. What's happening? Hold on, I've been rooting for this guy for 45 minutes. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that dude, that was a brilliant. I, was a, I mean, yeah, that was a brilliant movie. And that guy's a the guy's a good filmmaker, man. Yeah. Like, people can shit all over his evil dead all they want. And I will. I thought he no, did I'm a saying. great fucking job with that. No, look, dude, a I, lot of people I, I have think friends who like I argue with. I, I, I well, I love that he didn't remake it. Like everybody was like, oh God, it's a remake, it's a remake. No, it's not. Where's Ash? Yeah. Ash's car is rusted out and parked out front. This is a fucking sequel. Yeah. And he finally did say years later, it's a sequel. And that's the perfect way to do it. Like you can't re again. Let's I said it at the beginning and I'll say it. You can't recreate that kind of genius. You can't yeah. recreate a Texas chainsaw massacre. You cannot recreate Ash and the evil dead without Ash or without Sam so, Raimi. Like that's very without specific Sam Raimi, or without yeah. Bruce Campbell. Yeah. You can't you can't do it. So Fede did the smart thing. He did something same house. Sure. Same concept. New people. Right. Perfect. You did it. Perfect. And it's a fucking bloodbath. And it's a interesting story. Some some really good jumps. Uh, is it as good as the you know Evil Dead one or two? Of course not. Right. But at least it's not. I hate to use this word. It's not disrespectful which I almost feel like this Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> is. Right. I feel it's disrespectful to the original film. Oh, and a lot of the, the evil are. dead, the evil, the well, yeah, I mean, you got, you know, Matthew McConaughey running around and drag. There's all sorts of, uh -huh. you know, weird shit to talk about with this. I mean, you, Hey, you want to fucking get to it? Maybe the second one's even disrespectful, you know, please don't let uh, Carlos Danger from the Insufferable Podcast hear me say that. <laughs> sure. Because it is his favorite of the fucking franchise, the second one. He, I don't know if you know that. Like, oh, both I him do. and yeah. Brian Spears. Uh -huh. Yeah, though, it's, 
and the first time they told me that I thought they were kidding. Like it's live on a podcast and I've listened back just to hear my reaction when they're like, no, no, the second one's better. And I'm like, huh? And they're like, no, definitely. I went to the fact we were talking about cameo earlier. Uh I had not even cameo live. I had Bill Mosley. Oh, that's right. Yep. You told me. Yeah. Yeah record on video for them saying hey thanks for liking the movie but it's definitely not better than the first one. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like fuck what bill mosley says it still is yeah so you know most people uh most people do think that the original's better and like i said this you know this the evil dead fetty did a good job wasn't disrespectful told a new story in the same old setting, which I think is is the way to do something like that. Yeah, uh, it's just weird this... with these reboot quills or whatever that seem right. to like. We just did this. You and I saw Scream at the same time, uh, you know, yep. a month ago or whatever it is now, and it's that same thing where it's you put the same title on it, and you mm-hmm. kind of like try to recapture an essence of what yeah. the old one was while trying to you know, pay some homage with little things, Easter eggs or, or cameos or these things. And we're all supposed to just line up and be like, yay. But But like, why can't you just call it scream five? It's obviously a fucking sequel. Or why did that need to be an evil dead movie? Call it something else and just uh, like separate yourself from that. I probably would have liked it. Evil dead, evil dead, colon, the new class, you know, from from the saved by the bell, (laughs) you know, too evil too dead yeah (laughs) yeah fine something to differentiate you know what i mean Uh and i said the same thing with halloween if you're telling me that this is a direct sequel to the 1978 film then why the fuck isn't it called halloween 2 yeah at least at the very least yeah why would you what you know what when fucking when francis ford coppola got everybody back together to do the next godfather he didn't call it the godfather again. (laughs) yeah exactly godfather 2 yeah (laughs) because that's what you do when you're not fucking crazy i know well it's just this ip farm now and that's the tough part and that's where we kind of catch up with the new movie so let's take a quick break And then we'll come back and we'll go really deep into, you know, a movie that probably doesn't deserve it. But we'll get there and we'll talk about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix right now. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. Master Jedi Colleen here, co-host of Bohemian Geek Studies and yet another Star Wars podcast. But I'm not only a podcaster, I'm also an author. My second novel was published last fall, and it debuted as number one horror novel on Amazon, which was really cool. If you like Stephen King, weird happenings in small towns, or just looking for a new writer, give my novel The Falls a try. It's set in Minnesota, where everyone wears that nice facade. Nothing is ever what it seems. Find The Falls by Colleen McMillan on Amazon and the Between the Lines publishing website. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, coming back, let's talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, super original name that came out on Friday. Um, A few interesting things with this besides we'll obviously get to the plot and things. Um, It's a movie that we had mentioned, you know, originally was in the hands of Fede Alvarez and Rodos Sayegas. 
how do you pronounce that? Did you get that at the round table? I don't know. No. The people who made Don't Breathe an Evil Dead, we already yeah. uh, talked about that. Um, this ended up in the hands of the screenplay, at least, was Chris Thomas Devlin. It's his first screenplay, also done by a second-time director in David Blue Garcia. So, obviously, it wasn't coming in with the pedigree that would have been the name Fetty Alvarez coming right here. So it got kind of moved once it had either a conflict of interest or something where they didn't see eye to eye on the vision of the film. So when we talk about this movie, it'll get real interesting what they thought they had to change. I'd be I'd love to know what changes maybe were made in between. The the movie stars Sarah Yarkin, who plays Melody. She's from Happy Death Day to You. Elsie Fisher, who's like the main person I really knew, knew because um, Eighth Grade is a really good movie, the Bo Burnham film. Um, she plays Lila in this film. Jacob Lattimore plays Dante. He's from The Shy in Detroit. Uh, and Mark Burnham uh, takes, I believe, his first chance at being Leatherface. He from the movie Low Life. Uh, a few other people. Uh, Mo Dumford plays Richter, the kind of auto mechanic contractor, whatever. He's from Vikings on the History Channel. Owen Fuera uh, plays the, will probably be mentioned a million times, Sally Hardesty coming out of the woodwork, literally, um, to you know <laughs> come on the scene. She previously was in Mandy. She's actually like a very big time actress in Ireland. She's actually one of the top Irish actors. I've seen on websites where she's like, top Irish actresses of all time. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, she's going to be in The Northman actually next, the Robert Eggers movie, which I can't wait for. That looks fucking bananas. Of course- you know, we, we have to, we'll get into the plot, but I also want to kind of say, like, the critical scores at uh, this point have not been that kind. Uh, 5.0 on IMDb, a 38, no, excuse me, 36 Metascore, uh, a 30 tomato meter, 36 audience score, so the audiences aren't even, like, coming to the defense of this movie, and a 2.1 on Letterboxd. The film, basically, as Larry had mentioned, we've mentioned thus far, it picks up Right after the first one, yes, that one from almost nearly 50 years ago, Leatherface returns to terrorize a group of idyllic, idealist, excuse me, young friends who accidentally disrupt his carefully shielded world in a remote Texas town. Obviously, we're going to get to the whole Sally Hardesty and everything else in a moment, but you actually, as you mentioned before, you were in kind of a round table with the director and other people involved with this film. What did they kind of communicate to you that they were trying to pull off with this film? So there were two separate roundtables I was took part in. One was with Fede Alvarez and David Blue Garcia. And they talked a lot about their respect for the original film. Uh, David Blue Garcia said that it was a, a film that he had seen as a child and really fell in love with. Um, and when he got the opportunity to uh, direct this, he just felt uh, an immense amount of uh, pressure to deliver on something that really spoke to the original. Right. And I mean, we'll get into whether he was successful, I'm sure, uh, later <laughs> on in the podcast. Uh -huh. um, but I mean, he's. He, him and Fede both said what huge fans they are of the original uh, film. Um, other than that, you know, they, they talked about a lot of stylistic choices they made um, as, as far as the location, which is where Bulgaria 
Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and then the second round table was with uh, the three main actresses: Sarah Yarkin, Elsie uh, Fisher, and uh, Nell Hudson, who played Ruth, who was uh, mm. had the unfortunate uh, incident. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, who who accompanied the large crazy man to the hospital. Yep, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. They talked about what horror fans they're not. Um, none of them. The Elsie Fisher, Fisher was actually the only one who had seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, good on um, her. Yeah. Before, yeah, she said she saw it when she was super young. She saw it when she was like seven or eight years old. Same. Um, I was like, good for you. I wanted to tell her, uh, you know, great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, she's like, I saw it way too soon. In my head, I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, that's that's the perfect age to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Um, the other two had never seen it until they were cast, um, and none of them are really uh, horror fans. Elsie sounds like she might be a little bit, but you know, not 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 horror fans. But uh, they said they had a lot of fun filming this. They really uh, enjoyed their characters, and uh, and they they feel that they made a great movie here. Yeah, well, uh, obviously, uh, varying degrees of uh, great stuff here in this movie. Um, to me. We talked again about like how kind of these remakes and and a lot of the the same things come out of a lot of these like a whole lot of respect for the original holding a lot of candles but also yep. to me not feeling like they captured anything that made the first successful and this one feels a lot like that because there's a lot of those sequels in between part two and the <laughs> 2003 remake. Um, yeah. like that feel like they were made to be directly sent to home video. And mm-hmm. obviously this one had, you know, aspirations of a theatrical release, but yeah, it know, was supposed to have a theatrical release in 2021. Yeah. And you know, there's varying degrees of like, I heard early test screens were very bad. Then David Blue Garcia came out and he was like, no, that's just a rumor. They were actually very positive. Then we're watching this movie and kind of seeing the the response. And I'm kind of like, really? And I'm sure there was maybe a lot changed between Netflix probably picking up and trying to hone it. Um, The 83 minute runtime kind of speaks to kind of possibly being gutted, whether it was in the studio process to try to get it into a theatrical release or whether it was Netflix kind of maybe, you know, cause this movie is very gory. So I don't think they kind of like pulled a lot out um, in terms of that, uh, which right. is actually the fate of a lot of the previous uh, Texas Chainsaw movies. A lot of them were like, no, you're going to get a rated X or you're yeah. going to get R back in the day when R was a big deal or whatever. And- yeah. Toby Hooper thought he was going to get a PG for the first. Yeah, one. I know. <laughs> Yeah, he legitimately thought he was getting a PG, which, hey, listen, I said it earlier. Go back and watch it. There's no blood. Yeah, but like, that's because they cut it all, so, to do that. Well, a yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, but they still got an R. Yeah. Yeah. With no with no blood. Yeah. Like you'd figure why not get a PG if there's no blood here? Yeah. But still, the inferred violence is still violence. Yeah, I get it. A, a, a movie so bad that I have the poster. My kids are five and seven and I can't put it up in the house because it's a woman on a meat hook. Yeah, no, mine's right here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've well established you as a father yeah. versus me and how these things are going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter still is like, can I watch Spy Kids? I'm like, yes. 
that's fine. Yeah. Like they're still scared of that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, me- meanwhile, my son's watching, uh, with, I don't know, some new Korean zombie show. I haven't even watched yet. Oh, uh, uh, the one on Netflix. All of us. Yeah. yeah. All, all of them are dead or all of us are dead or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 My son's seen it. I haven't seen it. Okay. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's okay for a seven year old. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm going to go with maybe, uh, <laughs> cause yeah. I think they keep trying to recapture some of that, like, mix of train like to train to busan mixed with like what stranger thing like the netflix effect yeah, mixing yeah, with yeah. it so it's a little interesting but <laughs> to get back to this movie that there are things i read your article about the film kind of uh going through a lot of what you mentioned uh just now between what you got from the round table but also your own feelings towards the end and i feel we're kind of in sync with that where this movie's quite gory and yeah. i think that it, and good gore. I'll give it very good. I'll gore. give it a I plus. Th- they did a really good job. Yeah, there's a lot like where I thought like you know anytime they're snapping bones, I'm like yes. Yeah. I'm like good. Yes. Get to it. And then yeah. you know the way they killed the contractor in the orphanage and yeah. um, the uh, the slicing of the bank woman in half. By the way, everybody, mm-hmm. we're gonna spoil and do it all that. But oh you, yeah, it's not like you uh, are gonna be baffled by this movie or be like, wait, I I didn't want to know that. It's like, yeah, you probably got what you got from the trailer right. anyway. But plus, if you were, if you were going to see it, I would think you would have seen it by now. I it think does so. seem like it does seem like most people were eagerly awaiting that February eighteenth release date. The people who wanted to see it. So and this is I would think of, that most has seen it. And this is why I wanted to start with the sequels conversation because why is kind of like what I was kind of thinking. And this is a person who loves the first one. Like I still don't get like why we're just still like waiting around going, Oh, it's going to be better this time or whatever. Like, I don't know, know what we're waiting for. And we are in, we are right now. And we have been for a while in the biggest horror resurgence that I've, I've seen. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in the seventies. So, you know, I lived through, the late seventies to early eighties slasher phase, mm-hmm. you know, where it, it was crazy every weekend, you know, any, every movie theater was showing fucking slasher films. You know, I grew up in the drive-in always, you know, blood right. beach, the prowler Valentine's day massacre, always playing at the drive-in, yeah. you know, and then, you know, it, it, it sort of, uh, it sort of died down and then give credit where credits do scream, bought it back. Uh, Scream bought horror back for a little while. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, once The Walking Dead came out, there had just been this fucking The Walking Dead and bringing back uh, horror conventions because the horror convention yeah. had died down. Um, you know, I went to the early Fangoria's Weekend of Horrors uh, conventions in New York. Yep. And here. once once creation got rid of those, they kind of horror conventions kind of disappeared, especially around here. East Coast, like there were really none. But once like The Walking Dead came out, horror conventions started coming back, pop culture things started getting, let's just call it nerd culture started getting, sure. uh, you know, and everything just rose and, and it's horror is still riding that wave. You can see, you can see it right now on Shudder, Joe Bob Briggs risen from the dead. Like yep. people are just, people are just clamoring for more horror and what you've got now, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on these people, but what you've got now is a whole huge group of youngsters, mm. whole group of, you know, teenagers who this is this is their time. Right. This is, you know, they're here now for their first 
you know, big surge in horror. And while they know the classics, you know, they know the names, so they respect the names. They don't really, and a lot of them, I'm not, of course, not painting them all with the same brush, sure. but you know, you've got the people who think that Halloween kills is better than fucking 1978 Halloween. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are people who think that this new scream was just as good as the first one. And now there's people they're waiting for the new Texas chainsaw massacre. Cause it's their time. Right. This is going to be their Texas chainsaw massacre. Right. And frankly, I've seen on Facebook, a lot of super positive reviews from this movie. And when I click on them, they all seem to be pretty young people. Yeah. So that's, you know, this is, this is their leather face, just like this old guy, Michael Myers is their Michael Myers, right? Dude, just like, like six or seven years ago, I had this conversation with this girl, uh, who uh, she's probably in her mid twenties now, but at the time she was like 18 and to her Rob zombies, Halloween's were the pinnacle Rob yeah. zombies. Halloween's yeah. were destroyed. John Carpenter's Halloween's in her mind. Right. And, and, but cause that was her time. Yeah. And that's what I said to her. This was the conversation we had. I said, we'll never agree because I grew up with John Carpenter's Sure, because 1978, I was there when, when that came out and you know, 1980, I was there when Halloween two came out. So those are my Halloween's. These Rob zombies are yours. If I talk to her today, I bet she would say, fuck these kids that like this new Halloween bullshit <laughs> <laughs> because she has her own. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that's I that's kind of what it is. I think it's a lot of, you know, it has a lot to do with when you came up and, you know, there's a lot of older people who are getting into horror for the first time again because of The Walking Dead. Yeah. As as a part of Connecticut Horror Fest, I've seen it. I've seen like all these older and I can name some of the people and you would know some of their names who never watched horror before the walking dead. Right. And that's fine. Bring more people because it just means more horror movies for everybody else. Cause if there's more people going, more people will make horror and that's all good. Yeah. But those people will be the people that control kind of the content that comes out. Yeah. And if people are like, fuck, this is the kind of Texas chainsaw massacre I want. Then unfortunately for people like me and you, that's what we're going to get. Yeah moving forward well and again this is the number one movie on netflix it's gonna get a lot of views and they're gonna take that as success when yep. they should also look at the reviews and kind of see where the mixture yep. gets and so in. the next person instead of saying let me look and see what 74 did right they're gonna say let me look and see what david blue garcia and fetty alvarez did right right and we're gonna get another one of those instead of another of what we want right that's just that's just the nature of the beast, man. That's it. And every time we get one of these either remakes or sequels, they think like, all right, well, I put my stamp on this is, and this is where it's going to go forward. And they always leave that extra scene like, oh, <laughs> like we're going to keep this story going because oh, yeah, they never want to end everybody's, anything. Everybody's doing Marvel movies now. Everybody's yeah. fucking got to do the. Yeah. And I said. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here watching the fucking I'm like, I guarantee you there's going to be a cutscene at the end. I yep. fucking guarantee you. And then sure enough, I'm like, you motherfuckers make a, an hour and 10 minute movie and have the balls to put a cutscene uh -huh. after the fucking credits. Uh -huh. <laughs> I know. I, I like yeah. and especially even just how this movie ends. We'll get to I thought, again, if you're making kind of an homage to like kind of how things are going. They're leaving on a. I love it how they're leaving on a Tesla that's on autopilot. That's hilarious yeah. to me when you kind of see the juxtaposition with the hardest character like lying dead there. So like it's very funny to see. And then of course they even had to jump on that, and then they mm -hmm. jump on it again with an extra scene. So it felt like a weirdly for a movie that's only eighty minutes long. 
it felt like it ended several times. You know what I mean? It did. It did. And we'll talk about it, but they tried to do a lot in 80 minutes. Yeah, they really did. They had, they tried. I'm not saying they did a lot. They, they had a lot of ideas that they were going to try. And maybe you had mentioned it earlier. Maybe they did in, a, in an original cut. Yeah. Maybe they did talk more about some of these plot points that they had. I don't know. But I don't know. Maybe a director's cut will come out on DVD that's fucking an hour and 45 minutes. And we're like, oh, here's the rest of this movie. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I have two schools of thought after uh, the movie ended. Well, probably many more than that. But two strong, <laughs> strong feelings. One Sally Hardesty is not Laurie Strode. Stop making oh. this happen. It, it's cartoonish. The Even in the trailer, yeah. once the trailer happened, uh, uh, me, you, everybody, we all looked at each other and went, uh, how old is, how old are these people now? Like, they're all in right. their 70s just trying, like, what are we doing? Like, how, <laughs> there was such an unnecessary, it was just so, un, she was, I never, I mean, she, yes, technically she was a final girl. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she was. But at no, again, I'll go back to the Halloween. You know, yes, I was like, I want to know what Laurie Strode, you know, what happens with Michael and Laurie next. Right. Because because they were connected. Exactly. Michael and Laurie were obviously connected. You know, whether fucking Blum, Jason Blum wants us them to be connected or not, I don't know. Right. Apparently, they're not brother and sister anymore. I but know. And I don't care if they were brother and sister. There was a connection in that first movie. Sure. There was no connection between Sally Hardesty and Leatherface no. and Texas Chainsaw 4. She was just the last one they discovered, so she wasn't dead yet. Yeah. That's it. He wasn't keeping her alive for anything. Matter of fact, they were just trying to kill her. Fucking have grandpa. They just wanted grandpa to do it. Yeah. One last hurrah. (laughs) Right. It wasn't. She wasn't kept alive for any particular reason. She wasn't kept last for any particular reason. There was nothing between her and Leatherface. There's nothing there. So having her come back as, uh, you know, as stupid as it was to say in. 2008 Halloween. It's just as stupid to say in this. I've been waiting 50 years for this. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? And no, you Why? haven't. Why wouldn't you have just fucking gotten the fuck as far away from Texas as humanly possible? Yeah. Sold the house that you fucking apparently owned and fucking left. Yeah. Never and go there are, again. Yeah. What did? What do you have to fucking? You know, and okay, if you felt if you originally after you escaped in the blue pickup at the end, felt some sort of sense that you had to get your revenge after 50 years, it has that sense hasn't gone away. Yeah. You know, maybe you spend, I don't know, a month yeah. looking for him to try to help the cops find him or something. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, time for me to move to Maine. You know, <laughs> yeah, <or> yeah. <laughs> literally, literally anywhere else like that whole that whole angle was the least successful of the whole movie. I thought Absolutely. like if I had to point to one part of this movie, that was the least successful attempt uh, at a plot that that was it. Like that was just yeah. as uh, the other ones were, had their own silliness, but that was just out of control, unnecessary, unneeded. And not at all for the actress who portrayed her. I thought, number one, she looked like an older Marilyn Burns. Sure. I was like, oh, she she kind of does look like Sally would have grown up to look. I agree. Like, That's yeah. not bad. And she did a fine job with what she had to do. Yeah, not it much was, there. Certainly yeah. Wasn't, yeah, it certainly wasn't her fault. It was just like, you know, they probably waved some money in her face. And she's like, 
Eh, fuck it. Yeah. That's my Irish. That's my <laughs> That's Irish. Your brogue. That's your That's my brogue. Uh, He's wearing clogs yeah, so, now, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, nothing against her. It's just, it just, it was just pointless. It was really pointless. Yeah. And it feels like this movie was kind of like, uh, you ever hear the story about 21 Jump Street? And I feel this happens with a lot of movies where they were like, hey, we wrote a buddy cop movie. Yeah. We don't want to do a buddy cop movie. How about if we made it tie into a franchise somehow? Uh, what's hanging around? 21 Jump Street. We'll, we'll add it in. We'll go undercover in the high school. Okay, cool. And then they made 21 Jump Street, and then it got a sequel, and there you go. Like, this movie feels like, hey, we wrote a horror movie. Eh. Uh, it's like gentrification in a small town where the town kind of comes back on it. Eh. What if Leatherface kills them? Excellent. Green light. Here you go. So I feel like this is almost that because the hardesty thing feels like this was what there was one movie that was here. And then they were like Halloween had box office success and some level of success uh, in, in these new ones. And they were like, oh, there's a tie there. What's our tie? And they bring back the quote final girl and make it all kind of go in but so you're it, saying it you're saying it seems forced yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah. And, you know a good uh for me personally i don't know about for you but a, a good uh example of that would be um split which is a movie i absolutely loved sure but when it when it got to the end with bruce willis at the diner i was like that just doesn't feel like it works at all to no. me. like that yeah. felt completely like i love it because i fucking i i love unbreakable and i do too and i lo- and i love split so i was like when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, cool idea, but still felt completely shoehorned and forced. And yeah, it was like, I was like, eh. and that's exactly how I, that's a good way to put it. That's exactly how I felt about this. Just like, it seemed like, like almost like they made a movie and it was only, only 60 minutes long. And they were like, mm, we need another 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, Hey, get that Irish lady that we were talking about. And yeah. <laughs> we'll shoot a bunch of other scenes and jam these in here. Yeah. Get that chick like, from yeah, Mandy. Just... I think she looked close. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she lives in Ireland. Can we afford that? Yeah. We, we fly yeah, we're shooting over. in okay. Bulgaria. Oh, that's go. right. <laughs> I forgot. They're not shooting in Texas. How close is Bulgaria to Ireland? I don't even know. I'm I don't think that down. close, but close enough. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Closer than Texas, I think. I was going to say, yeah. probably closer than Texas. Yeah. Oh, I also God. felt like this. Uh, did you get like, uh, you know, and again, they keep saying, yeah, we're big fans of the original, big fans of the original. The thing yeah. is, especially with the age of this director and the newness of it all with the first written screenplay by the writer and the you know second movie by the director, it felt like in an early 90s direct to home video version of a slasher sequel. Like, uh, you know, you've seen a million of these in the home video era. And, like, especially even they had, like, the slow-mo ending with the sister feeling helpless in the broken-down theater. Like, there were a lot of things that was just, like, outside of how good, how stylish it was at times and how good the gore Mm -hmm. and stuff was, a lot of times it just felt like this felt like a direct-to-home video sequel in the 90s. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, I don't feel like it was put together extraordinarily well. Again, I, I almost felt like parts were missing. I, I, I felt like, and which very well might have been. I, may, I don't know if it was in rights or in or in editing. I don't know what it was, but I, I felt like parts of the film were actually missing. Like I just right. like because they kept they kept starting storylines and just going nowhere with them. Let's I mean fuck. Let's just talk about it. Even Sally. Sally Hardesty, you told me how important this was to her. Right, fifty years she's been searching. Yeah. 
she she finally somehow you know she knows exactly where to find him she shows up in her dennis hopper hat shotgun and she's dead in what i don't know 13 seconds like (laughs) and and she tries to force she tries to force that whole you know you remember confrontation yeah yeah and like that's the other thing. All right. Oh, God, we're going to start getting into this, aren't we? Like, I want to save the orphanage. So if you're going right, to go we'll to save the orphanage, yeah. I'm not going to go to, but I mean, a part in the orphanage, like, like he sees them. Like, I think he had just finished killing everybody in the, in the, the, the party bus. Yeah. And he sees, uh, Sarah and Lila and I don't remember what her, Lila and Melody mm-hmm. and sees like Sally Hardesty. And he just goes up into the into his bedroom, right? Isn't that what he yeah, did? Like, he yeah, he like, went to go pout. <laughs> he was done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, oh, what Leatherface is this again? He's just going up to his room, and then she's like, I'm going after him, and she's like, Don't you remember? She's trying to force dialogue on him. Uh-huh. She's like trying to like talk to him and reason with the large slow adult i hate to keep calling him a slow adult i know yeah. this is again and i'm not i'm not because i'm not trying to say it like a dick but this is what the original actor and the original director and writer said he was right so i'm i'm still holding to 1974 they said that that leatherface was a, a large slow adult so yes that's what this is so she's standing there Number one, trying to get him to remember her from 50 years ago. Yeah. Amongst amongst what I would expect is the hundreds of people he's killed. Yeah. Over the over, you know, the time before she got there. I don't think that was the family's first fucking foray into murder. Uh no. Yeah. Right. And- so so she's like, What do you mean you don't remember me? Bitch, you're fifty years older. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, why would he remember you? Yeah, you'll you nothing- look any <laughs> If you were in the maybe if you were in the back of a blue pickup yep. and your fucking hair was still blonde. Yeah. He, maybe, maybe. But so you're trying you're mad that he doesn't remember. You're trying to force dialogue in him. He obviously wants nothing to do. He's like, get the fuck out of my room, lady. <laughs> right. Like this whole thing is fucking insane, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and and then every time they kind of tried to shoehorn other things that don't like Cool, you got John Larroquette back. Congratulations, that's awesome. I'm glad that they did. I, the I like that. I, I like it. That I like part. it. It's fine. Yeah. It's 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 enough. But it's like watching Night Court. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, like that's cool and all. But the absurdity of the <laughs> orphanage is where I want to get to we're next. Going, we're going there. Well, I want to go there. I want to go in time because here here's okay. right. I'm gonna start right. with just how silly that this probably came together one of the things you just mentioned, the whole premise right because uh, one of the okay. things you mentioned in the article is that they had a lot of notes they wanted to try to do a lot of things but they didn't have enough time to give 50 years of backstory to make this make sense and i yeah. think the, the orphanage is the biggest piece of that because let's say for sake of argument that leatherface is in his 20s when the original happened Right. Mm-hmm. Let's also mm-hmm. say something finally happened to his terrible family after Marilyn Birds. Mm-hmm. Maybe she dropped a dime on them, got something mm-hmm. to happen to these people. Something, right? And yep. all of a sudden, you know, he's alone. His family got taken away. He's alone. Mm-hmm. So we are to believe one of the following happened to Leatherface, okay? A. <laughs> a. Yep. He left his old home seeking a new home family because, again, he's kind of this slow, dim, you know, like 
dimple. Like he's constantly being told what to do by his family. He's kind of just a lackey in a sense. Um, right. And so you expect him to go seek a new home and family like a normal person who wasn't a bloodthirsty murderer wearing people's uh, skin for on his face. Right. And then wandered into town where this woman took him in mm-hmm. like normal. And again, mm-hmm. he's in his 20s. Not right. an he's orphan like, who's like he's, five. He's like six foot five. Yeah. He's like 350. I doubt he took the, the leather off his face. Yeah, he he never had it off at any part in that movie. Yeah. Why would he? Why would he take it off? To I, I guess he walked there. I don't know. Did he drive? Could he drive? I don't know. Yeah, he he know. could be in a dress covered in blood. Like this is what I imagine. She's just like, oh, well, my son did die, so I'm looking for yeah. a new person. No, that's not what right. happened. Uh, the other scenario: this woman finds Leatherface out in the world somewhere. A guy, again, with someone's skin over his face, makeup, a dress on. Uh, And instead of calling the police, she takes Mm -hmm. him in as, like, her own son or just like, oh, we can use some hands around the orphanage. Maybe he was tall enough to hang the Confederate flag. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why she brought him home. Oh, I think you killed me with that one, Larry. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm going to start having a coughing fit. But yeah, you understand what I mean? Like, none of that makes sense. And then also, even if we take all that into consideration, now he lives in this orphanage around other children. Mm -hmm. And this woman hasn't murdered anyone of note, so that way it picks up on Sally Hardesty's... Yeah, like she's sitting there by the CB just waiting for a chainsaw-related murder... And mm-hmm. I guess maybe that's how he survived it because he didn't kill people with chainsaws because mommy put his fucking chainsaw in the mm-hmm. like like in it was wall. yeah this is like what Edgar Allan Poe if we put it fucking away in the in the wall like uh, he yeah. won't channel those bad feelings anymore what are we doing hey, hey, Larry I'm you know listen I'm not myself a handyman like <laughs> I need something fixed around the house I usually gotta hire somebody sure um, yeah but. But I will say, I'm pretty sure that if you keep a chainsaw on a wall for 50 years, it's not going to start right up. Yeah. I think you might need to gas it. Uh-huh. Might have gotten rusty. Yeah. Uh, might need so You might got to oil that chain. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's all sorts of things. Maybe a spark plug would have went by now. Sure. Uh, the rats in the wall <laughs> fucking biting at it and everything. Oh, the electrical doesn't work. Yeah, sure. But. You know, you know what bothered me the most, I think, and there's a lot you touched on most of it. There's a lot that bothers me about this whole, uh, do we, if we have to call it a backstory, I guess we will. Yeah. When they, when, when Melody and Dante first walk into the house, because, you know, they need to remove the Confederate flag. Uh Yeah. Because, because not, you know, you're in the heart of Texas. What the fuck did you expect to see hanging outside of this building? Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I would want it down too. So okay, fine. That you're going in there. First thing they see on the wall is the picture of all the kids, and there's the one big kid in the back with his face all scratched off. Right. We know who that kid is supposed to be. Sure. Why is he a kid? Are you telling me that Leatherface lived in that orphanage and lived at home at the same time when he was a kid? Yeah, I I, I didn't get that. Also, how convenient is that? Is he scratched off? Is it because she knew who I would think he, he was? I got the vibe that he did it. Like he, like he's, 
now are they taking from rob zombies halloween i don't know you know how yeah. how michael in, in rob zombies halloween didn't want his face shown like, yeah he was always trying to hide his face like god don't look at my face i kind of got that vibe from this leather face he's in the his hair is covering his face and right. he completely reminded me of tyler main as as michael myers like yeah. hair covering his face all you can see is one eye first thing what's the first thing he does after mom he, he covers his face with a mask like of course the mask is made of his mom or his babysitter or orphan lead or whatever yeah. the fuck she is um but first thing he does is cut so i to me it, it screamed like rob zombie's halloween um so i kind of got the feel like he's the one who did it he didn't want his face shown so he scratched the picture out but again why would there be a picture of child leatherface in this orphanage yeah. as a child with other children when he was clearly a mid fucking uh, uh, an adult living at home with his family in 1973. Yeah. Why does she have a picture of him with other children in the orphanage when he's a child? This is a hole that you can drive that fucking pickup truck through that Sally Hardesty <laughs> escaped in uh -huh. in 1973. Like this is uh, among the glaring potholes in this film. Yeah. This to me is the biggest one. Like if you are going to attempt to give me backstory, give me backstory that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. Or this at least backstory set it in the makes... 90s, Larry. Give me even, 30 years in between like Andrew, to make it less. Even if they said even if she said oh, well, this is my last boy, and I discovered him when he was in his mid-20s. Okay, that takes away everything that I had just said. Right. And the, and the picture wasn't there. Right. Then, then, okay, that takes away that plot hole, but there's still everything that you just said. Right. He's a fucking homicidal, a slow adult who is also a cannibal and a homicidal maniac. Yeah. You're going to tell me, that you put him with a bunch of kids and he hasn't killed anybody in 50 fucking years because you put his chainsaw away. He obviously still knew where the hammer was because he pulled that <laughs> fucker out pretty quick. Uh -huh. Yeah, like none of so even if you take away the plot hole of him living in that orphanage as a child making absolutely no sense, he, it still makes no sense that he'd been in an orphanage living his adult life. Right. And then the other plot hole is a 75-year-old man can't move like that. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going next. The agility <laughs> of this man makes it like, yeah. why didn't they just make this movie? Now, again, they wanted the whole, like, influence social media culture, like, this kind of mentality to kind of try to pull this off. And I guess right. that's a new-ish thought to do this, like an online auction or whatever, or, like, bringing these people in to try to create yeah. this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's been versions of these movies all over the 21st century to be like, we're trying now that we have the internet and these communities that we could do, we can build a utopia, uh, you know, with a with a solid group of people I've been talking to on the internet forever. And then you realize, no, right. these people, I don't see these people all the time. You shouldn't do these kind of things, whatever things go awry. Let me right. throw this to you a little bit. I hate doing this, but as I was watching the movie, I had like an alternative plot that made some more like if you're gonna do it this way i don't know why the old woman has to die and like has to be like this kind of protector that kind of was like the leather face whisperer for 50 years you know somehow yeah, yeah. to get this to work so why not instead just make it like instead of these assholes booting the old woman from her home or orphanage she pretends to actually like help them 
Like she helps mm-hmm. orchestrate this whole thing. Like she's just trying to cash out. She's just trying to, you know, retire or whatever, move on. And one by one, six Leatherface on them. And with the help of the mechanic and kind of bring in the town, kind of eating these people whole, kind of like the feeling of the first one and actually right. understand something that, you know, makes it kind of like organic slightly right. that like these people have all been around each other and they knowingly know who Leatherface is and they use it to their advantage because they're in the middle of nowhere. Probably would have made more sense. Yeah. So uh, that's the one thing I was like, ah, I hate fucking doing this, but I was like, this kind of makes more sense and feels more like how the first movie was. Cause you feel right. like the whole town's against you, even though that's not the case, but like, just like the people who matter, they all have this kind of like mechanism to get you into this house in some yeah. fashion. Well, I mean, f- what, one thing Fetty said in that in that roundtable was that, you know, the first film did a really good job of showing, you know, city folks versus uh, country folks. True. Right. Like that's like, yeah, that's a, you know, they're, they're city folk. And it's not just Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Most a lot of good horror movies to it. It's yeah. cabin cabin in the woods, you know, sure. with the harbinger, like, yeah. you know, the city, the city guy is always smarter, always better than the country guy. Yeah. And the country guy ends up being the one who really knows what the fuck is going on. And, you know, so, so that angle always plays well sure. in horror. And, and that's what they tried to play here. You know, you've got the smart city folk coming, you know, with all their smart technology and social influencers, and, uh, you know, they're coming to shit all over. Basically, let's call it for what it is. They're coming to shit all over this small fucking town, yeah. buy it and, you know, rent it out to their friends and put up their little fucking Starbucks and their little, you know, eateries and, yeah. you know, gentrify the shit out of their 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 town. And that yeah. that part that part works and makes sense. And I see what you're doing there. It's just, you know, it, but if you would mix that with with sort of your idea that. You know, maybe she was or maybe she was even a member of the family. You know, maybe that would have made more sense. Yeah. You know, there was Texas Chainsaw 2 proved that there's more members of the family. Uh, Chop Top was a member that we didn't see in, in, in part one. Right. So, you know, there's more members to the Sawyer clan. You could have certainly said that she was a, a Sawyer and she took him out of there when, you know, maybe the rest got arrested after Sally Hardesty got him back to the house. And it, you could have gone a lot of different ways with this. Yeah. Uh, this whole orphanage scenario, I don't, I don't know. And maybe this is why the original directors got fired because maybe they told Fede, Hey, this doesn't fucking work. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm spitballing. Obviously I have no inside information. Sure. We weren't allowed to ask, uh, Fede or David what happened with the original directors or or anything like that. Yeah. So, so I don't. I don't know. And they've never spoken really. They were just like, Oh, creative differences. Like, yeah. Is that the creative difference? Did they say, Hey guys, this backstory doesn't fucking add up. And they were like, fuck you. I'm who <laughs> I am. And you're who you are. Right. That's, that's that again, just completely spitballing, but yeah. could be, yeah, could be because it doesn't like you said, like I said, and like, I even like anybody who actually likes this movie, has to admit that 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 doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody, and I've read a lot of reviews from people who like the movie, and most of them say, "Well, it's a lot of fun," and I said that in my review. Okay, if you can, if you can put plot aside, right, and just completely suspend everything else and watch this as you know what I want to see a chainsaw massacre. Yep. 
Yep, you got one. <laughs> you got it. It's yeah. fun. Certainly a chainsaw massacre. Certainly a lot of blood and gore. Right. If you want to actually pay attention to story and you want, I haven't seen any of those people who like this movie say that this plot makes sense. Yeah. Haven't seen anybody defend that yet. Yeah. What I uh, will and say. And I'm waiting. Yeah. Because I'll argue. I'll argue with them. I'm waiting for it. And what I will say is that the only reason I'm really not going to like completely trash it is because I did have a lot of fun with the gory kills. And it is yep. stylish in times where you can see some of the craft really come through like you mentioned yeah, I, think like this, I think this guy's a hell of a filmmaker sure i think this guy i think david uh david blue green is that it blue is that garcia blue, green green blue <laughs> green, green blue <laughs> yeah yeah david blue garcia i think honestly i think i think he's a heck of a filmmaker um again you know i i think he knows how to i think he knows his way around a camera i think he knows his way um you know with with backgrounds and, and creating interesting shots um i think i do think it's a it's a really well shot film yeah i think i i think you give this guy uh a, a good story and a good script i think i think you might see something i've never i think he's got one other full-length film to his credit Correct. that i've never seen that was so like a smaller film you know done in uh, the film festival circuit that got picked up kind of a film you know local yeah. to the texas guy and they made him go to bulgaria i believe if i'm not yeah, mistaken right? so yeah between i'd love to see him i'd love to see him get you know get a shot get a crack at something something pretty big i'd like to see what he could do yeah for sure and, and again i think elsie fisher was a heck of an actress before this yeah. i think she's good in this even though i she don't fine. fully uh, agree with the school shooting thing i think again that's just one added layer that they tried to make more out of and it didn't quite yeah, click they tried to i i see what they were doing i you know i had to think about it kind of i'm like why I'm like, why are why the school shooting thing? Is it just like at first I'm like, are they doing this just because it's, you know, a popular topic? It's very yeah. topical. So I'm like, I'm like, if, if that's the case, then it's just in, in poor taste. I'm like, that's there's really no reason to do that. And then I understood. I'm like, oh, they're trying to draw a parallel between her and Sally Hardesty, who is right. also a survivor of a brutal incident. OK, I'm like, I see what you guys are doing. You're not doing it well. But I see what you're doing. I see. I yeah. see why you did it. It's a, again. It's another thing that was probably unnecessary, because if you're gonna draw a parallel, then that means these two characters have to connect somehow, and they don't. Well, also, right? Larry, doesn't that plot also feel like what I was saying before, where maybe this movie was a completely different movie, and then they yeah. left that in, and right. because it's like, oh, we can it was just pair this with the Sally Hardesty thing. Yeah, now it that was we just shoehorn a piece that of in, something that they got rid of. Like, yeah. Because, yeah, like I'm saying, like if you're gonna, if you're working that hard to give her a backstory that connects her to Sally Hardesty and her backstory, then there needs to be a connection between the two of them that lasts for some amount of time yeah. and holds them together. You know, there's none of that. Yeah. There's never, ever a connection between the two of them other than get the fuck out of my truck, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Right? Like, you know, so, so again, it was something that. And I, I said it in in my review. You know, you do you've got you've got this whole backstory business with the orphanage. You've got this whole you know try to make this connection between Sally and and Lila with the school shooting and what Sally uh, you know overcame. And then you've got the whole social media influencers 
uh, you know, trying to buy a town and yeah, start, gentrification. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Start a peaceful life or, or like, you know, like Richter called it a cult, which yep. I completely agreed with him. Sure. Uh, sounds like a cult. I'm like, kind of, I kind of agree with the redneck here. Yeah. Um, so you've got all these stories, you've got all these ideas for stories and then you've got 80 minutes. Yeah. And somewhere in there, you still have to throw in a whole bunch of killing. Yeah. You still have to throw in a whole bunch of victims. You still have to throw in a whole bunch of blood and gore. And you still have to throw in a cut scene at the end. You've only got 80 minutes to do this. This is what is you don't have enough time to do all of these things you want to do. I think you're right. I think somewhere in there earlier on, there was a much longer movie. Yeah. A much different or a much longer or both. Yeah. And again, we'll probably never know uh, because either this movie wasn't successful enough to get like extra documentary or or play by play of what really happened uh, leading up or, you know, it'll happen so many years later. Like, I think we got some of that with um, the next generation, which nobody wanted. But you put two stars that became huge mega stars. Maybe we'll talk about something later. Maybe that person is Elsie Fisher. If McConaughey and Selweger never fucking blew up. You oh, would have never heard of that movie again. Oh yeah, that movie. That movie would have been on four people's, you know, VHS collection today, and that's it. <laughs> yep. Nobody. Else, that's the only place you would fucking find that movie. Maybe Joe Bob would show it one fucking Friday night on Shutter as like a fucking goof. Other than that, you would never hear of that movie if it didn't have the names McConaughey and Zellweger in it. It's just never happen or maybe someone like larry dwyer would show it on one of these streaming <laughs> nights where we get to just rip apart a movie <laughs> yeah i definitely would have shown that not at the theater but i definitely would have shown that on a streaming night eventually yeah that and lady terminator that's all your business <sighs> that whatever yes. you like buddy. <laughs> yes but everybody i encourage uh everyone to check out larry's writings on this subject and more on horrornewsnetwork.net um, and what else you got going, Larry? Because we had a great time over the weekend doing the uh, yeah. what I like to call the Let's Get Harry uh, double feature <laughs> with uh, the howling and ginger snaps. That was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah. then, you know, you guys just announced the next one coming up. So you can pitch that if you like. Um, what do you yeah, got going um, on that the people should know? And obviously uh, the convention coming and expanding yeah. uh, in the fall. Yeah, man. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff coming up. So uh immediately coming up april uh what's the date 19th the 16th the day before easter i think it is uh april 16th <laughs> yeah, of course it is yeah it's a perfect uh, time to celebrate these films uh april 16th at the strand theater in seymour connecticut uh we got a show called they came from 1988 where i've got two 1988 films uh featuring outer space themes one is the uh remake of the blob starring the awful kevin dillon who i hate with a passion uh and the lovely shawnee smith um and paired with that is my wife's favorite movie killer clowns from outer space (laughs) and that's uh so that's going to be a good time that double feature happens on april 16th um tickets will go on sale next month you can find out more about it sign up for our mailing list to uh get information at uh connecticutcultclassics.com and as you mentioned, we are also hard at work at getting the next Connecticut Horror Fest convention together, uh, which we've expanded to two days this year for the first time. Uh, for the past seven years, I think it was seven years, uh, we've done one day, um, but last year was so big, we've decided to expand it to two days. So that is September 16th and 17th. 
we've announced four guests so far um two cast members from the original night of the living dead uh russ streiner and judith o'day and then two jasons because uh, everybody loves jasons so we've yeah. got uh, the original boy Jason, Ari Lehman, from the first Friday the 13th. And then um, the first zombie Jason, C.J. Graham, from Friday the 13th, Part 6. There you go. Uh, there there will be plenty, plenty, plenty of more announcements to come. Um, we're still signing guests. We have some sign that we haven't uh, announced yet. But Connecticut Horror Fest is always a good time. Uh, there's a lot of our friend podcasters that set up tables. We have a lot of vendor booths um a lot of fun check out cthorror.com uh join the mailing list for more info and also i give plenty of info on connecticut cult classics about uh connecticut horror fest so you can always always keep up yeah and if the uh netflix executives haven't already turned off this podcast i definitely had a great time uh with uh jordan di natale came from fear street last year which was cool like a hometown kind of thing uh which was great Maybe we that can get awesome. more Netflix horror. Maybe Mark Burnham, this Leatherface, wants to jump in the fray. And, and you know and who I'd love, fun? honestly, if if I could get, I would get Elsie uh, Fisher. She's oh, yeah. um, first of all, she's a heck of an actress, uh, but she is right now in production on a movie that I am so. And you know how these press junkets work. You're not allowed to ask them anything that doesn't have to do with the movie that they're promoting. Yeah. I, all I wanted to talk to her about was my best friend's exorcism. It's <laughs> a book. It's a book by this guy, Grady Hendrix, which has turned into one of my favorite books of the past, like 20 years. Oh wow! It's like the guy does, the guy writes horror comedy, like nobody I've ever read. He's, he's, he's written like a bunch of horror comedy novels that are hysterical um, and like gory and funny. My best friend's exorcism so far is the best of them. Hmm. And she's she's starring in it. She's playing the title of the lead role. Uh, so I'm like super psyched for it. I'm trying to get uh, I'm talking to Robin Christine about maybe trying to get her because um, I think. I don't know. I think it's going to come out around that same time. So hmm. if we could get her like right before that, like sew her up before she blows up in horror. Yeah. I think, I think that'll be perfect. Yeah. Hey, a lot of Jordan Dina Tal was great. Yeah. Jordan was great. Dude. People loved people loved meeting her. Yeah. Like she was, uh, she was awesome and she was just great with everybody. Such a sweet girl. So sweet. Yeah. And right after the peak of a movie, which you rarely get at a convention, it's usually like right. a lot of nostalgia stuff and, and fear street plays upon that but it's a brand new three you know three movie trilogy you know just bam right there uh over the summer last summer and it was great it was great to see that and it was great to see how packed it was for all these great stars the screen panel everything else so i'm looking forward to what you got in store for us coming up and always great to see you man always great to talk these things out we basically talked about eight or nine movies almost in a in a way Uh, instead of just doing one which is exactly what we do on this podcast so thanks again for doing this with me larry and we'll talk to you soon thanks man i appreciate it andrew